we also are are really good at vetting like people that that we know will bring value and improve the company from where it is today. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Yeah, this is going to be a good episode. Um, hey, just wanted to jump in with a couple things. There's a couple notes about some things going on with Andy and myself at our warehouse, some opportunities to work with us. I'm going to get them in a second. But first up, man, I'm, I've got to mention uh, something. I, I hope you saw this. Uh, one of my sponsors, Seller Labs, was recently honored as one of the top companies, the top fastest growing companies in the United States. And they looked at the top... 5,000. And these guys didn't make, you know, number 4,000 or 3,000 or 2,000 or 1,000 or 800, 500. No, they made the 148th, I think it was. I mean, just imagine that. What's it take to be number 148 out of 5,000 that were recognized? And, you know, it's just an honor to be recognized. No, to be 148 is a big deal. And, you know, I know, yes, they pay me and all that kind of jazz. But again, you hear me talk about consistency over time. And when you see a company that's doing these kind of things, it takes really strong leadership. When you when you hire services, and we all pay for services, I've got a lot of them. And when I recommend uh, these companies that I recommend, it's because I use their services, right? Over time, what I love is this, is you go to an event and there's Jeff or Tyler, one of them are always, or Ed, are always at the event because you can go and give them feedback, right? Feedback Genius gets better because you give them feedback and they help improve the product. They're always at every event and they're willing to talk with you. They're there to talk to you. How many companies do that? You know, it's easy to, I get these companies all the time. Hey, you know, would you let me promote? I got one right now. Would you let me promote? And we want to sponsor. And they said, well, no, I don't know you. I'm sorry. And you're new. Now, maybe you do have the best company, but again, I'm looking at over time. And again, for Seller Labs to be recognized across the country and that just to make the list of 5,000, it's a huge deal, but to be on number 148, that's a really big deal. So, you know, Jeff Cohen, uh, Brendan Checkerts, um, and um, uh, Hank, sorry guys, um, it's just so exciting for me, the leadership that you guys have put together for this company, um, it's phenomenal, and it just says something about you, so I 100% I salute you, so I just don't want to miss that, that is such a big deal, um, that's why I think you should be with Seller Labs, look at all the products, Scope, right, Ignite, take a look at uh, Feedback Genius, all those products that they have, right, they're doing advertising, all that stuff is there to help you, but again, they're going to be there next year, and I think that's the thing you want to remember how many companies have we seen come in and go out because they moved on to the next thing cryptocurrency and all the rest of they you know and i don't fault them but that's not the kind of company you want to be with you want to be with a company that's going to be here for the long haul that's going to help build that brand that we're all trying to build and then help you take it to the next level so seller labs well done i applaud you very very cool um, another big one with one of my sponsors is gay lisby's group you've heard me talk about it. it's q4s coming um, all that kind of stuff but what's very cool is she's now given me a special two-week free trial. We're the only ones who have it. You get a free trial if you're interested in a sourcing group, daily product find. Um, and I'm going to have an announcement in the next week or two with a special bonus thing that you get if you join. But try sign up for two weeks. Try it and then sit back and say, is my business better off? Am I in a better position for Q4? And my theory is this. Have a strong Q4 to get the cash flow so you can build next year's business. 
you should be building next year's business. How are you going to do that? You need the money. Use this as an opportunity. I just think it's phenomenal. So it's um, you go to amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage. Yes, it's a mouthful. Amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage. And you get that two weeks free. It's phenomenal. And last but not least, I don't want to miss uh, Karen Locker's solution for e-commerce. She's doing listings for me this week uh, for all these new um, private label products we have going up. And it's unbelievable. You know, I just send them to her with some information and boom, they do it. They test it. Now, here's a better example. There was a, a, a listing. It's a wholesale account that we have. And um, I said, hey, could you get these four or five photos added on? Um, now I didn't deal with Karen. I deal with some, one of her team members, which I have my own, you know, assigned person for my team, which is phenomenal. And she was like, Hey, Steve, I'm having trouble. I'm waiting for them to link or whatever. She followed through. And then eventually she said, Oh, Steve, go take a look. They're up. That kind of service is what I'm looking for. And that's what I get from Karen's Locker's team. It's solutions for e-commerce, solutions for e-commerce, um, forward slash momentum. And you're going to save 50 bucks, and which is great. And it's 50 bucks every month from there on out. Okay. And so consider that. And if you have uh, any questions, whatever, message me um, or message Karen. But solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum. And man, I just love, love, love the service. So back to Andy and myself. So what we're doing at the warehouse, we have a couple things going on. So we have... We have our fifth client coming aboard. Now, we're not a fulfillment company. We're not in that world. We just have some storage space and some relatively lower cost. And the good news is we're only an hour from AVP. So if you send a lot of material to AVP, it's it's very convenient here because um, it'll check in usually that day or the next day. Um, but we have a loading dock so we can handle pallets and we ship out by the pallet. That's the way we prefer to do it. Um, but we have a couple openings. If you're interested in working with us, we're not interested in doing any um, RA or OA. We just we can. We just not. We don't live at that warehouse, right? Um, but we can work, uh, especially for pallets, containers, and stuff like that. Um, and we have a couple wholesale clients, but mostly private label. If you're interested in joining us, you want to message Andy, uh, Andy Slamins. Uh, private message him on Facebook and start the conversation, and then eventually uh, we'll get into it if, if you're interested in that. Second thing we're doing is we are actually going to hold a summit. We're going to hold a summit in September 22nd, I believe the date is. And he's going to talk more about that. But if you've been interested in um, finding out what it takes to run a successful full-time or part-time, I mean, I'm part-time, so I'm, I'm a pretty good example of part-time. But uh, how about an RA business doing over $3 million, I think it is? Dan Wentworth is joining us for this summit, and Andy's uh, going to be bringing in his private label, his wholesale, and his RA. Remember, Andy used to do RA, and we're going to bring this whole thing into a conversation. Very, very limited group, um, not very large, um, but it's a workshop type of deal. It's in our warehouse. We're actually going to let you see behind the curtains. Um, who else is willing to do that? So if you're interested in that, message Andy about Summit. You want to get on that list and find out some more information. He's going to be talking about it over the next few weeks, but I just wanted to get that there. Now let's really get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 332, Fernando Cruz. Man, oh man, these young guys get smarter and smarter, or I'm just getting older and dumber. Um, it's just so cool to see guys figure out they know their lane. They know they're self-aware, as Gary Vee always preaches, right? They're self-aware of what they have. It's not an ego thing, and I say that to him because it, it's not like he's an ego. He's a very nice, genuine person, but he understands what he knows. 
that confidence, um, a healthy confidence like that, a humble, healthy confidence is so powerful. It's such a cool thing. And so you can build on that. And his, he gives sage advice here. I mean, here he is, young guy. He gives sage advice. Um, but it's because he's investing in himself. You know, he'll, he'll eventually tell you how many hours a week he spends on himself in learning and growing. I think a lot of us, Steve, misses that. You know, I always say, I'm going to go into my office. I'm going to read at my office. I'm looking at about 50 books that I haven't picked up in my office. And yet here I am saying we should be doing this. And here I am not doing it. So guilty as charged. Well, Fernando's like, yeah, that's great. All those side distractions. Let's get rid of that. Let's outsource some of that stuff. So it'll give you because his advice about calculating how much five minutes is times five years will give you some real perspective. Um, Those of us who don't have time, listen to it and you'll be like, oh. That hurts because he's right. Very, very cool story. Very cool perspective. Very cool on how they're building out a very large business um, and a very smart approach. And just a great story. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because I think uh, for a young guy, he's got a lot to offer and teach us because I think um, his experiences in life, which we all have to go back and draw on, he understands the value that they brought him. And I think to be so young to understand that is a big, big competitive advantage. And as a dad, I hope my boys get as much confidence in their knowledge as Fernando Cruz does. Welcome, Fernando. Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. Really appreciate it. I mean what I said. I mean, the fact that you know, you know, and it, it's not an ego thing. I mean, that's the real world. And I think today you have to be able to tell me what value can you bring me. And, and, and I'm not asking for anything, but it's true to stand out. Do you get what I mean? I think that that's, that's so, to, so important to be so self-aware, especially as a young guy like yourself. Yeah, man. Yeah, I totally I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's, um, there's just so much information now, so like people like with the social media that you can connect with and kind of, you know, figuring out your, your story and your identity and, and kind of being true to that is um, ever more important now in like 2018. Do you find it hard to stay on track with it? I mean, because I'm sure, you know, when you, when you have capacity or you have abilities, you know, I'm sure the shiny object thing affects you like every other guy, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult. I mean, um, I think it's, it's definitely transitioned as, uh, we've grown as a company and we've, you know, become, you know, probably more disciplined as entrepreneurs, but in the beginning it was really hard, you know, like in, in, in the Amazon space, there's, you know, uh, retail arbitrage and private label and wholesale and just in that. And that's if you don't build a Shopify and go into retail and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's always, um, really difficult to really stay focused because you know you're like wanting to diversify and um, yeah I mean it, it's always a challenge but now that we have like more people uh, we can take you know more bets uh, like now we have a team of uh, fit over 50 people which helps a lot um, but it's still like you know making sure that everybody's aligned and working towards the same goals is definitely always um, it, it's something that we're always working on for sure. I think when you when you describe a group of fifty people, it's it's worth noting um, what type of people, because if, if they were all type A entrepreneur p- 
people, it'd be like herding cats, right? Trying to catch them all. Right. When you're looking to build out that team, you're looking for different types of individuals for that. And does that help him stay in that lane? Is that is that kind of fair? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say that a good amount are type A. Um, it's actually interesting. So I just finished uh, Ray Dalio's book, Principles. I don't know if you've, if you've listened I, I'm to I'm familiar it with him, but I have not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not familiar with the book. Yeah, so in part of it, he talks about how he actually makes every single one of his employees take four different personality tests. And I thought it was really interesting. And so like, I actually just implemented that in our team, and I'm still actually kind of going through it. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to set up like the organization where you have like every like department or business unit will maybe have like kind of that visionary leader that's kind of you know thinking about two to three years ahead. But, but wait, wait, stop have- there a second. So so hold on a second because I think this is a really powerful stuff what you're saying because mm-hmm. each department has to have. I mean, you want them all rowing the same way, but the finance department has to take a different approach because their goals are different. Yes, we all want to make profit, but their goals might be to give better information to the for utility to the end users, right? So so you're trying to create visionaries by uh, by tower kind of like? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it might be... Uh, so, yeah, that's a good question. So it might not necessarily be within like the specific department. Like, I don't know, if you're... If you're too visionary in finance, that might be a little scary. <laughs> uh, hey, but, hey, I watch mean, it. Remember, I'm uh, a reformed accountant. Remember, hey, yeah. be careful uh, here. But uh, like, I think in terms of like, uh, we have like a retail division, so that's like focused on getting our products into retail. And so, kind of like looking at like, okay, well, where um, where is the market heading? Like, what products are coming down? Like. And then their focus is like thinking like two to three years ahead, you know what I mean? Yeah, but they're not okay. really focused on like putting out the fires and um, and necessarily managing like the day to day and stuff like that. Like they should be like, thinking like bigger picture, like, you know, like typically like an entrepreneur would. And then like I want like a kind of that um, not necessarily type uh, B, but like the, the more organized, like the the person that isn't con- uh, that that's going to be more constrained. It's going to be in the kind of the type uh, the number two position that's going to be like really supporting that that kind of visionary leader. All right, so somebody department. casts the vision, and so that second person's the one that, that can execute it, the one who can actually do the work exactly. and follow through. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. So we're trying to set that up um, based on like the personality test and seeing like who kind of fits into those roles. So you're um, looking at each segment of your business as a team. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just think this is very, very forward thinking and I don't want to lose this because I don't think, to be honest with you, Fernando, most people don't spend this time working on their business. And I, I'm sure that's mm-hmm. a miss. I mean, it's a miss uh, for we're a lot of small businesses, but you know, you have to start somewhere. So I think this is very powerful what you're saying. So you're taking each segment and making sure that they kind of have that visionary, then have the operator, and then have the, you know, the people who can actually do the work. I think that that's a very powerful way to look at your business. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, we're, and we're doing that with every department. So like, even like our supply chain, right? So you still want like, even though like, it's a, as a as a department, it's like more kind of operational, we still want somebody at the top kind of thinking like, okay, looking at the P&L and being like, okay, these are the three areas where I think we can reduce costs the most and then kind of assigning that out and oh. having like a one executor. So like, I still think like, yeah, for 
it can be applied to both departments and business units, but I think that's been like one of the interesting things that we're we're kind of implementing today. That um, that actually, yeah, I got from a book from from Ray Dalio. Well, that's the, the ability to learn something and then actually apply it is a very very strong skill set because there's no new information. I mean, I'm sure what he's saying, he's you know been told a thousand times. It's the, the his ability to actually do it probably is what the difference is. What have you learned? Give us an example of something that you learned that you were surprised with when you started, you know, like I, I, you said, you're just getting started with it. So I, I'm not expecting giant strides. But I mean, was there anything that you were surprised with when you, like you did Steve's test and you were like, huh, I thought he was a wallflower. It turns out he's got, you know, crazy things going on or, or example like that. Anything? Yeah, I mean... It's still, yeah, again, like really, really like uh, early stages. But yeah, I mean, um, some people that I thought were um, more introverted are actually like pretty extroverted. And so I think maybe it has to do with like, you know, uh, a lot of our teams remote. So it might be just like uh, the distance, but it also could be culture. It could be, you know, that, you know, I'm one of the people that started the company. So maybe they're a little bit more timid. Yeah, sure. So there's like, there's just like so many like reasons why that could happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, overall it's like, I think it's really like, important to have people that think a little bit differently on the same team. Because if everyone's the exact same personality type, then you're going to get kind of the exact same results. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Nothing new is going to get introduced. So what do you see? Like, let's stay with that example. So you saw some people that mm -hmm. are extroverted that you didn't think were because they were reserved. Mm -hmm. Like you said, they were probably respectful and trying to be, you know, oh, I don't want to, you know, got to be respectful to the boss. What's your thought process now? I mean, what opportunities do you see different that perhaps you wouldn't have seen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's more about me trying to like understand where they're coming from when they're um, if they have concerns, and also like I think truthfully is me like like uh, kind of looking inward and being like, okay, maybe I need to do a better job of like getting to know them Ooh. so that they feel comfortable. That hurts. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, and I think again, it's a real, you know, like we we've gone to like fifty people from from like ten a year ago, so it's we have a ton of people, and so it's it's me spending more time, um, you know, really like. Uh, like spending yeah more personal time I think with a lot of the employees and um, yeah I mean like we'll see how it all um, manifests but I, I think there's like definitely stuff like as like a leader that um, that I always can be like working on to like bring the best out of our team. Well, the fact that you learn something about yourself that maybe you need to spend more time with them and to get to know them better is a win right alone. So totally. how do you? How do you manage 50 people? Because I think this is a this is something, you know, and these are a lot of VAs, I take it, in remote areas and stuff like that. So uh, you have, you set expectations, they, you know, you manage those expectations. Walk us through kind of how that works and how, how many, and I, I think this is a reasonable question, how many VAs can you personally manage or do you have to have for every five uh, an overall VA above or something like, can you walk us through that? Yeah, 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 definitely. So, uh, so we have, I guess, yeah, maybe it's easier to start with like kind of the goal part. Um, so basically at the beginning, uh, or sorry, the end of last year, we decided, um, to set kind of like OKRs. So it's like objective key results. And then like the, the big kind of like lofty goal for us was to hit a 2 million EBITDA this year. 
And um, so they, uh, kind of bringing it back. So like a lot of people are always like focused on revenue because uh, it's a great vanity metric, uh, which I'm sure you see all the time. But um, but for us, you know, we care we care way more about um, more about profit in the business. Okay, so, so let's we, explain what EBITDA means because people don't know what earnings. Right, right, right. So if you take, uh, let's say you're starting on the profit and loss statement or the income statement, you're going to have uh, all your revenue uh, at the very top. And then you're going to subtract out all your cost of sales. So that's your cost of the product, freight. Um, if you're on Amazon, like the Amazon referral fees, the FBA fees. And then after that, you're going to get to your uh, gross profit. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to subtract out all of your uh, operating expenses. So that's like advertising, your office, car, meals, travel, uh, salaries, um, contractors, all that stuff. And then you're going to basically get to your uh, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, uh, and amortization. That's EBITDA. And then so if you're uh, eventually looking to sell a company, uh, it's usually off a multiple based on your EBITDA. Um, and then, yeah, the only things that are below that, like in terms of the income statement, yeah, it's like the um, the depreciation, uh, the amortization, like, and then like uh, your like interest if you have like credit cards or loans, things like that. Okay. All right. So people get that, right? So it's basically your net income minus or add back the uh, your depreciation. Most people would have depreciation, uh, maybe some interest, I guess, if they're borrowing money. So those two things added back. That's a real multiple um, that, as he's saying, that companies will use. They'll times it by that multiple depending on what you know, um, type of business you are. Um, and uh, right now that I've seen Amazon businesses going three to seven times that multiple. Are you seeing about that in your world too? Uh, yeah, I would say depend, definitely dependent on the size. Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. And so imagine that if you're going to hit a $2 million EBITDA at a three to seven, depending on what kind of, you know, if it's private label, if it's wholesale, all the rest of the nuances individual to your business, um, that is a serious amount of money at the real high end, plus that doesn't include inventory, never includes inventory, never includes any of that other stuff. Um, and so so you could be talking some, this is real business now. I mean, you're talking $2 million as a goal. That's a real business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, from where we were a few years ago, it was like not even imaginable, to be honest. Well, but that's uh, so cool, though. I mean, who had the vision? I mean, when who casts that vision? Yeah, uh, in terms of the goal or like yeah, the actual Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I think that, you know, it's, it's not like, I mean, that's that's not like some arbitrary, that's a big goal. I mean, that's a big, uh, what are they, hair, uh, BHAG, or they call those, right? That's that's yeah, pretty BHAG, up there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was both my business partner and I. Uh, so my business partner and Nick, um, yeah, so we're like, you know, uh, best friends from college. Uh, we've worked together at previous startups, and then now we're doing this together. And yeah, I mean, we just kind of looked at our, uh, sales from last year and then um, like, like I mentioned briefly we do have like a new retail division so we kind of looked at like all of our previous growth rates and like how much cash we could raise and all that kind of stuff and then um, use that to like help us like forecast and then um, you know part of like OKRs is that you want to set goals that um, like it, that you're, you're supposed to hit like 70% of it. I think that's the way that Google does it is like if you're always hitting 100%, then your goals are right. too low. Yeah, it was an easy um, putt, right. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, we're definitely on track. So I guess we did set it a little bit too low. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, 
that's kind of we had like a, a whole day kind of planning session where we kind of like forecasted out, redid the org structure, did like all this stuff, like um, kind of working on the business. Um, and then we kind of laid it out to to the team over the next few days and then it kind of got distributed out. You know, as I sit and listen to this, this is big corporate America kind of talk. You know, being an old yeah. CFO like myself, you know, this is what we used to do, right? Big strategic planning. We'd go off site and we'd do all these giant things and, you know, con- calculate our compound annual growth and do all these projections and stuff. Where does this come from? Where's, where's, uh, who went to business school? Who got the business school of life education? Who, who's got that? Uh, so, well, we both did undergrad business at USC, actually. Um, so that, I think, helps a little bit. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's funny because so like, um, way back when, almost like in another life now, when I first, dude, I I have socks older than you (laughs) in another life, cut me a break. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I graduated, I worked in finance for a year and a half and it was terrible. And there was like all this, like, yeah, exactly. Like corporate and like, you know, all these kind of like business schooly terms and I hated everything (laughs) about corporate. So and then, yeah, I went to the polar opposite to like tech startups and, um, you know, did like a hundred percent commission role. Actually, Nick did it with me too. Like we both did it. Um, and then, so I was like in startup mode and like, yeah, just hating all the bureaucracy and everything like afterwards and never wanted to go back. But now it's interesting, like as a, as a business owner and, you know, trying to move into like a mid market company, it's kind of hilarious now bring some of that stuff back. You know what I mean? Like a little bit of chain of command and like, you know, a lot more planning and strategy and like, uh, you know, trying to find the right meeting balance and all that kind of stuff is, is pretty interesting and crazy. Yeah. But you know, here's the difference. So, and I would agree with you because it's like, it didn't make sense to you. Then shame on that company because they didn't create the vision well enough for you to understand, or I guess maybe that's not the right way to say it, but they didn't communicate the vision well enough for you to buy into it. So you resented it. You got, you know, like, no, why would I help? Blah, blah, blah. Now you're on the other end of it. You see it. So you have to take a different role, right? You can still have all those other things because they probably make sense. But now you've got to communicate well to everybody on your team so why they need to buy into it because of the importance when they see that. I think that that's, a, that's the healthy dose that corporate America is missing, what you're describing. That's the piece they're missing because they're still jamming it down your throat. Well, you know, we get rid of the bottom 10% of our staff no matter how good they are because we're that company. <laughs> you know, I've heard that for how long with right. GE, right? Yeah, GE's in deep right, trouble right, 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 right now. Why? Because they got rid of the bottom 10% of their staff because of all that and they got big bonuses. You can't do that anymore. And I think the fact that you have that perspective is very healthy. How many companies would you say you worked for? Um, going back all the way to finance and all the tech startups and stuff. Just, just, And I'm not going to judge you in a negative way. I mean this as a positive. I just want to know. Uh, I only worked for three, actually. Okay. How about your partner? But uh, uh, he worked for three as well. Okay, but yeah, three at a I young mean, age. Most of us... Your parents and your grandparents, for sure. <laughs> now I'm really dating myself. Yeah. Were, they were going to be one company and done. Find the right company, right. Fernando. This is it. You work their hard, keep your nose, stay out of trouble, and you're going to make it <laughs> so one day. True. Right? I mean, that's so different. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So my, sometimes when I am, my mom really believes in education. So sometimes when I come home, I'll see some like Stanford Business School magazine in my room or Harvard oh, Business School. Oh, man. <laughs> like subtly, very subtle, trying to remind me that I should go back and 
get my MBA, stuff like that. Yeah, it's really funny. But yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, we only worked for a handful of years before starting the company. So uh, we didn't like, yeah, I, I, this is the first company that I've actually made it two years. Wow. Like I never made it. Yeah, it's crazy. Dude, now think about that. Now all those old guys are like, whoa. <laughs> because, you know, most of us work for the same company for 20 years. And then usually you're pushed to the wayside, you know, um, and in my, my case, nine of the companies are no longer business. I was in an uh, industry that's gutted. Nine of those companies are no longer in business. And, you know, I, I chose to leave the last one, but it's just like, I mean, they struggle. It's just a terrible world. So there's older guys listening to this or older ladies listening to this right now are saying, man, you know, imagine going for two years being the longest that you were employed somewhere. But in today's day and age, because, you know, let's face it, Fernando, you have options, right? If you don't like it, you don't like the writing on the wall, you don't like the rules, you just go somewhere else. You're in demand. Cool. You have skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would be hard to go back to being employed. But yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's I mean, a double-edged sword, though, for you now, because you've got to mm -hmm. keep those 50 people on your team. Uh, yeah. I mean... Uh, Ooh, I, I, I mean, that hurts, I, I right? That. Yeah. I mean, it is... It is like a, a big responsibility, and I, you know, as an employer, I definitely uh, feel that um, pressure. But I feel like um, we also are are really good at vetting like people that that we know will bring value and improve the company from where it is today. Mm. And so, yeah, I feel I feel really good about like the fifty people that we have. Like, I think they're super talented, like in their respective fields. They're way better than me, and uh, or like way better than like uh, like like are the rest of our team. And I think that's um, what excites me about having these people is that yeah, we have like a pretty rigorous um, interviewing process, and like I'm yeah, just really happy with our team. Well, I think the fact that you're investing in them and helping them understand themselves, understand their skill sets, and like you say, discovering new things about them to realize, wait, Steve is an extrovert. Perhaps there could be a different role for him when this opportunity comes up. You get to present it to me. Now, all of a sudden, I feel, whoa, you care about me. I think these are all, you know, when if you were trying to do this by yourself, right, without a business partner, do you think it's possible? Be honest. Do you have it in you? I think so. Do you think you have it in you to be to this scale? I think it would be way harder. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, I think, yeah, to this scale, like, uh, yeah, I definitely think you need a business partner. Like, yeah, I would need a business partner like, like Nick, um, that would like, yeah, so we can kind of divide and conquer and everything. And I mean, there's times where it's really tough. Like, I mean, I don't know if I even mentioned this, but like in like our year two, like we had to lay off some employees. Oh. So that was like brutal. Wait, that um, means you failed. You're, it's over, you failed, life's over as you know it. It's not. Yeah, I mean, I'm being I, facetious when yeah, I say that. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. that means that something didn't go as planned. You mean that happens totally. in business today? Wait, <laughs> yeah. hold on. This Every is news so to me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was tough. So, yeah, I mean, I think we definitely, like, learned a lesson in terms of, yeah. Uh, well, what was a lesson? Well, that's a good one. Like, don't don't drop that there, dude. You got to give me that lesson. Yeah. You can't, you got to share. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, it was really focusing too much on revenue. Uh, I think oh. we cared way too much about revenue. We weren't paying attention to margins enough. Um, and I think uh, we didn't have a, a good enough data all the time. 
and so yeah, I mean, like it, it was really tough. But yeah, but we had to let go of a few employees uh, here in the U.S. Keep like a handful that were more analytical, and then we really focused on just making sure that all of our reporting was like 100% accurate. So like the profitability of our products and like all of our like ROI numbers and things that you would think are really, really like simple. But like in in the year before, we were so profitable, like we didn't even like pay attention, didn't really like care. And then, uh, yeah, we ended up like bringing on like a part-time developer that helped us use like the Amazon APIs to actually build out uh, our own dashboards, like different than everything else out there, um, based on like the way that we wanted to see the metrics. And I think that's been like a huge help in terms of like our growth and um, our just like visibility into into everything. Well, I think this is a, a very adult thing for you to admit. You're tech finance guys, and you weren't paying attention to the finance. And yet you were tech totally. guys. So you had all the tools, and mentally, you had all the skill sets, all the tools you should have 100% been on, but yet because life happens, because you get distracted, because of business, um, you get away from it. And I think it's so powerful that you went back and looked at it and mature, mature enough to go back and look at it and say, hmm, we didn't do this right. Let's do it right. Is that now an absolute for you guys? I mean, knowing what you know, I mean, there's just no going back. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no going back. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, focusing like, especially in like the physical products world, like, yeah, I think sometimes you hear about these kind of like lost leaders and the Gillette model and like razor and everything, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Gillette is owned by P and G so they can like, yeah. they can stomach those types of, uh, those marketing, like, um, kind of like, I guess schemes or campaigns to like, to make that work. But I think if you're a new, like, kind of entrepreneur, like, you need to really care about your margins. And if you don't, like, you're going to get in trouble. Well, let's add some value because I, I think this is a very good uh, step. So you're scaled bigger than a lot of my listeners would be. But they would like to get to where you are. Or at least some of them would. I don't think they all would. I hope they all wouldn't. I hope the ones who want to get where they want to get, get there, not not necessarily here. Um what, what's an approach that somebody can take in a smaller version of this? Because I think this is really important that people don't know what they're doing with their own numbers. What's, what's advice you can give for somebody who's probably struggling, who's saying, hmm, what can I do at a smaller scale to get control of my business? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say... Uh, I mean, I think hiring like overseas has been a huge, huge help to us. I think in terms of like in the beginning, uh, you know, everyone kind of the first things that they outsource is kind of the customer support, the administrative stuff, uh, the simplest tasks, which I think is the right place to start. Um, but, you know, what we realized, I was like, look, the Philippines is a massive country. Like there's like a ton of really, really smart people there. Like we just need to find a way to to attract them to join us and to to train them like, you know, specifically on on Amazon. And what we ended up finding was that literally every single role that we'd ever dreamed of, there was people like like there that were better than us at those specific roles, whether it was logistics, inventory, planning, um, you know, finding new products, like 
finance, you name it. And so we've kind of like built out this like amazing team, uh, but kind of scattered over the world. Now we have people in Latin America, we have people um, in the Middle East, uh, Eastern Europe, like you name it. Like we're looking more globally. And then so I think like as you're as you're kind of starting out, it's like, okay, figure out, okay, these are the things that I'm really the best at. And and then also uh, make maybe make a list of the things that you think are the most important for the business. Mm-hmm. And then you should only be doing things on those lists. And then everything else, you outsource or and, like get somebody else to handle. And, and um, then, well, because this is important, you said that these other people are better at some of these roles than you were. So even that list, mm-hmm. eventually you could pare that down, right? Because then you have to be mature enough to totally. admit that, you know, yeah, I have an accounting degree, big whoop. Uh, Fernando's 10 times better at it because, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? That's his lane, right? Um, right. Hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think as a, as a first time, like, you know, entrepreneur, a lot of people are very reluctant to let go of like certain, certain tasks that they feel are uh, only they can do. Like I think product development, I hear that all the time in terms of Amazon. So like, Oh, only I can do that. And it's like, okay, like maybe like, it would take a few months, six months to train somebody, but you're not the only person like in the world that can do this because there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of other entrepreneurs that are also able to figure it out. And so I think um, is is having that like restraint to be like, okay, I I can't do everything, and so if this person's focused a hundred percent of like their time and they're really smart. Like, will they do a better job than if I'm only spending like five, 10 or 20% so of my time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think once you like really like, uh-huh. yeah, like uh, embrace that kind of methodology, like it's way easier to scale no matter where you're at in your business. That's so powerful what you just said. That just blew my mind. You're right. When they're 100%, if they have the abilities, first off, that you, you've added them, right? That's where you do your work up front. Right. But if 100% of their time is doing that, you're telling me they can't come up with a thousand percent improvement on a mousetrap or whatever it would be, you know, of course they could, right? Because that's all they're doing. Right. And where you're giving totally. it a little bit of time and then you got to go chase your kids or you got to go do this or wait, I got to go pay this bill or I got to go, I, I got a problem with a shipment. I got to do, right. Ooh, dude, you're too young to be this uh, savvy. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about this because I think this is another skill set. And I think this is where a lot of this approach comes to again. And I say this for us old people and I tease myself, but I say this uh, all the time. Computers didn't come in into my high school until my senior year, halfway through. They did not bring a computer into our school. So imagine. And the math teacher was a computer teacher. Like, you know, like he didn't go. Yeah, that was it. And so you guys have this huge advantage. You've grown up with probably, you know, a computer in your bathroom, for God's sake, right? There's there's something (laughs) everywhere. You guys have. But that's a big advantage. And so the tech world. I think that one of the interesting things that I really liked about your story was taking a tech approach like taking that tech mindset into the e-commerce world. I think that that, that mental, your ability to break things down and, and, you know, into manageable tasks and things like that, I think is just such a powerful thing. So let's talk about that and what you've been able to, to glean and then apply into e-commerce for us. Yeah. Um, actually, so one that, um, I guess one, I guess saying, uh, that I was actually talking to my girlfriend about um, is uh, that I really love and is like done is better than perfect. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, 
and like I think that's you know a lot of like I'm not a perfectionist by any means, so like I don't have this problem. But I know a lot of kind of people if if they're putting their name behind it, they they're constantly like waiting until perfection to kind of launch something. And I think like that is like the opposite of like the kind of tech mentality. Like tech mentality is like, you know, uh, faster growth, like really always focused on like having really quick uh, turnaround like metrics, like kind of leading indicators of where you're going and um, keeping everybody aligned with that. And I think they're like, we're like, I guess tech people are really good about that. And so I think, I, um, so I think we bring a lot of that experience, uh, which helps us uh, stay on top of it. And another thing that we do uh, that I think has been really, really helpful for us is kind of these 90-day sprints. So I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, yeah, we have like the $2 million like EBITDA goal. And then so you can kind of work backwards and like break it out. Okay, like this is going to be uh, Q4, Q3, Q2, Q1. And then for, for us to do that, we need to, um, you know, launch this many products. We need to bring, you know, maybe our OPEX down to this percentage uh, and then you kind of break it out into uh, like kind of bite-sized goals by quarter, then by month, and then you assign every single thing to a specific person. Um, and you know, when you're a smaller team, you know, maybe you're taking half of them, and you know, uh, your business partner's taking half, or you know, your right-hand person's taking half. But then over time, like you know, it's getting broken out to more and more people, um, which is really helpful. And there's a book that I just finished. Uh, it really talks about a lot of these kind of scaling things called Scaling Up, one of my favorite books uh, in the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, it talks a lot about the, uh, this type of like planning, which I think is really, really helpful as well. I think I think it gets again, you know, hey, if you're clear, this is our goal. OK, and then this is your role within the goal. We need you to hit it. Um, and then, boom, if everybody does that. But magically, the goal gets met, right? I mean, that's pretty simple math, right? If 100% of people hit their goal and their goal was clear and defined and they all hit it, guess what? Overall, you hit your overall goal. Um, how, do you, how do you spend your time then working on your business when business is happening so much around you? Because you guys have a lot of moving pieces. You know, when you're describing mm -hmm. 50 people and hitting that kind of revenue to get a $2 million EBITDA means you're doing some huge sales, uh, lots of products, especially if you're launching a lot of products. How do you how do you find time to work on the business? Um, honestly, I think it really comes down to hiring great people. I mean, I the for let's say new products, the only thing that I do now at this point is I approve products. Like, so wait, I so mean, somebody else is bringing the product to, or developing it? Hey, I've got an idea. I've got this. I'm looking on my desk. I've got this scale. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring this new scale. There's, they do the research. They help develop the product. They do all that different stuff, or somebody does along. And then at some point, it comes to you with all these metrics that you've requested over time? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, literally, I, I just get like a screenshot, and it's kind of like, oh, this is what we're, gonna, we're planning on selling it at. This is like the the final pricing from the supplier. This is going to be our freight. This is going to be our FBA fees. Like uh, this is like everything laid out. Like it meets our margin requirements. And then I'll just like um, here's like the top keywords for it. I'll just check the keywords. Like okay, this like this makes sense. Like green light. They they send the payment. They uh, we have like a project manager that uh, follows up with the supplier to make sure we have a logistics person that um, you know make sure it gets to the U.S. 
Uh, and then we have like a whole like listing team, uh, key, like, you know, keyword research, all that stuff, like the photographer, it's all handled on the back end. Like I don't touch it at all. Oh my goodness. How long did that take to set up? Because everybody's sitting here right with their mind blown right now. They're saying, wait, wait, I can't do that because they're coming up with a hundred reasons. I guarantee you that why that won't work. <laughs> right. right. I know. I guarantee you. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, wait a second. How do I communicate that? Who's going to, who handles the money? Why don't they just go make it themselves? Why do they come into me? Why are they using, you know, all the different things that every single person's going through their head in the math. This is real. How long did it take you to get to that place to get people that actually have the ability to do that the way you want? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I would say it took us maybe two and a half years to okay. get to this uh, point. That's a realistic. I was thinking two years, but two and a half years of hit and misses, right? I'm sure that was miss, yep, miss, miss, totally. miss, 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 miss. Oh, got a little hit. Okay. <laughs> right. Then hit, hit, yeah. hit, hit, miss, miss, right? I mean, that's, but isn't that 100% small incremental improvements? I mean, that's really what it is. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're just always learning, always kind of, um, just testing, honestly, because I mean, you're, it's never going to be a hundred percent like perfect, but if you're really focused on building systems and creating criteria, I think that was like a big thing is like, okay, like what is like our criteria for products and which ones have worked in the best in the past and like kind of going, okay, like let's, let's try this. And then really being like focused on that, uh, or disciplined on that, um, has been instrumental for us. Hmm. I think. I think that's just so cool, but I think it's so, when you think about it, I mean, it's, that's huge. I mean, it sounds almost impossible task to, to tackle. I mean, as I sit back and think of, this is big, you know, this isn't like, I mean, you've got an R&D team. I mean, in, th in theory, right? I mean, you've got, which, mm -hmm. you know, think back to the GEs. We'll use GE as an example. They, they probably have thousands of people in their R&D team at one point, you know? And here you right, 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 right. You've got what, half a dozen? <laughs> you know. I mean, R and D is only two, including <laughs> sourcing, is two people. Okay, There's so one person that that comes up with the products and one person that sources them, and they're now, like a team. Think about that. You know, you go back to GE; they would have had giant th thousands of people, and you know, not. And I, go back to Gary V. Ninety-nine percent of the ideas never made it past the gatekeeper, right? So, how many great ideas? But because of that gatekeeper's biases and, you know, their thoughts, 99% of those ideas just got shot down. And there could have been some gems in there. I'm sure there were some gems that nobody ever thought of um, to get past, right, and that never made it up. And in your scenario, because they're able to get it and bring it up to you, one of the owners, you probably see some things like, holy crap, I would have never thought of that, right? Totally, yeah. And I, I think it really just goes back to the to the 100% time thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, as like a, a founder, like I should be spending more time with like, you know, financing options and recruiting and yeah, and, and setting the vision and kind of like where the company should, like those are probably the three things that I should be uh, focused on. Well, say that like again. Legal. I want to hear that again because I think this is important. So for you, you believe your role should be today, given the size of your company, being the scope that you guys have, plus you have a strong t uh, partner. So, but let, let me hear that again, what you think your role is. Uh, recruiting, number one. Mm. So like ensuring that we have like the best possible team in every function. Uh, number two is like securing financing. So not actually like managing the books or anything like that. But like if we need to raise, you know, like let's say more debt, for instance, then like making sure that happens. 
Um, and then number three, and this is not necessarily in any particular order, but he's like setting the vision, like the strategy, like understanding where trends are moving and, um, and kind of like laying the foundation for the next like two to three years. Hmm. Dude, Those three things. This is a mature business that's only a couple of years old. I mean, do you realize how long it takes most companies to get to that level of structure, to get that level of understanding? Do you think it's a huge advantage um, being an e-commerce business to be able to do that? I mean, cause it, can you imagine, like, let's use, for example, Toys R Us, right? They have, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how many stores they closed. Was it 800 stores or whatever it was? Each one of them are leased through different terms, through a different company, right? Each, each one. I mean, mm -hmm. can you imagine, you know, the, the, the layout and the, everything about them is different because mm -hmm. you're so, you know, an online business generally most of the time, um, how nimble you are. You're not constrained by all those boundaries. So the ability to adapt to this type of model so quickly, I think is such a huge competitive advantage. You get what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, Toys R Us is such an interesting case. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I finished the Everything store a few months back, and yeah, I mean, I think like their reluctance to uh, to move online and having Amazon manage like their online like portal was probably the nail in the coffin. Even though it happened like a while back, you know, because like things were moving towards e-commerce. Like Jeff Bezos knew that, and like I think them not like placing a big enough importance on it early and like early on enough is like is not I mean obviously hindsight's 2020 but I feel like that was probably um the part that it's like yeah I mean now uh now it's easily visible yeah it's Netflix and uh um what was the blockbuster, company? blockbuster right it's the same thing right 100 percent. Right, right, right. they totally. put all their their chips in is it a risk then as you say that I just it dinged in my head are you making the mistake, you meaning me too, by mm -hmm. relying on Amazon to be your partner for your brands, right? I mean, because you're, you're giving them all the customers. Is that a mistake? Totally. I mean, that's a very realistic um, concern for, I think, every Amazon seller, especially in private label, because you don't really have as like, strong of a brand. And so I think to me, there's kind of two approaches. Um, and so one is that you could, you know, build a really strong brand with like a social media following and maybe your own Shopify store and all that kind of stuff. I think that's one approach. Uh, I think the other approach, which is the one that we've decided to go after is not being so brand focused. And so we launch products in tons of different categories, tons of different niches. And the idea is that, like, we're really diversified um, so that if, I don't know, Amazon Basics comes in on one niche, like, that's okay because it represents less than 5% of our total profit. And so we'll just take that money and redeploy it into something else more similar to, like, what a finance company would do. Yeah. Um, well, I think so you said something here that's very important. You're not going from a scared point of view, what if Amazon shuts down my account? No, because you understand that you're bringing value. You're saying, hey, what if they change the game and they happen to come into our marketplace and sell a similar right. item? That's a different thought process. And I think it's so healthy that you guys are thinking that way as opposed to, what if they shut down my account? Why would they want right. to shut down your account? You're giving them gazillions of dollars of revenue, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're right, making right, two million right. bucks, Amazon's making a lot of money, right? I mean, that's the yeah. way you got to think about it. 
Yeah, right, right, right. Very right. That's very healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's always, like, that, like, kind of fear lingering in your mind. But I think it's one of those things that it seems, like, to, to overpower. I mean, I see it in the Facebook groups every single day. Like, I'm shut down and everything else. And it's, like, I mean, I, I think it's um, – or what happens if this happens? Like, I mean, it's just not something that I would dwell on. It's, like, right. thinking about, like, right. all right, like, what can I really do to – uh, in that worst case, like, and then move on and then like, you know, maybe go on Walmart. Um, cause that's like super easy, uh, well, like, um, to, um, to do like certain with certain services and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's just so much like opportunity commerce. It's not worth dwelling on all the things that could go wrong. Yeah, I think those days of them being the heavy hand, I think, you know, you see a, a kinder, nicer, you know, you start seeing them out at meetups and stuff. Why all of a sudden? Well, because they realize that heavy hand can only get them so far that there are other options now. And so therefore, you know, kind of it, they were that done is better than perfect. They'd launch and then they go figure it out. Right. And then they're, they're, in, that, <laughs> right. they're in that figuring out stage now. So I, I think that's absolutely fair. Do you get to spend, do you have any of your team? Um, I mean, I, I guess you kind of said you do, you're trying to create visionaries, but do you have any of your team working on like adding a Walmart or adding, I was sitting there thinking about that is as you're trying to build out, you know, cause you're diversifying so much. Is there, a, is there somebody who's working on, because diversity is not the right term because that's not the same thing. That doesn't mean the same thing. But figuring out other ways to take advantage of your existing uh, products, skill sets, and things like that. Do you have anybody who's working on that? Uh, yeah. I mean, we have a, a ton of people. Um, I mean, we uh, we have a team that's uh, like a, more of a sales team that's kind of looking at, at bringing on like consulting clients to kind of show like or to kind of use like this the skill set and the technology that we've built out internally um we have uh like the retail team uh that i mentioned and so they're taking a lot of our like our more unique products uh and then bringing those into like brick and mortar retail um since we already have like the three pls and the suppliers and like the whole supply chain set up um and then yeah both nick and i are always kind of like trying to identify like where the market is going and then figuring out like how we can, um, yeah, I guess how do we take advantage of that and like, and try to be early into the next thing. I think it's very healthy. It seems like you invest a lot of time into, you know, reading a lot. Um, mm-hmm. what percentage of your time are you spending, you know, physically doing things as opposed to learning or investing? into yourself and in, or into your business. Do you get what I mean? You know, uh, because yeah. I, like I had somebody who does jujitsu and does, he's teaching Spanish. That episode hasn't come out yet, but it, it will. I mean, he's, he's learning Spanish. I mean, he just invested so much in his personal time. And so when the challenges of this business come up and they're every day in your world, you got to be putting out fires a lot of the days. Um, they just flow because he's so balanced with his head doing these other things. It just gives him the ability to be focused. What percentage are you doing? Oh, interesting. That's a great question. Um, I would say in terms of putting out fires, I try to keep it like minimal, like maybe 10, 10%. Like if anything, like I usually will delegate and I'll only step in if they can't solve it. So okay. I like never like really, uh, step in like as the first kind of line of defense, I guess you would say. Um, I would say in terms of like learning, maybe, 
maybe two hours a day. That's a lot. Been like, yeah, I mean, I really tried to like read and um, yeah, try to figure out what's going on in in the overall space. Like, well, how do you as, break as out two hours? I mean, I think this is important because I don't think people, I don't, I don't think people would say they have two hours, Fernando. I don't think they would say it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think honestly, it's it's about really freeing up all of those day to day tasks that a lot of people yeah. would hold really close to the chest. Like, I don't like. I mean, one of the things I recently got rid of is like paying down the credit cards. I mean, like, even though it's like a super like quick task, it takes me whatever like uh, maybe five minutes to like to pay them all down. Like, um, yeah, it, it's all done by somebody else that I that I trust on the team that's checking you. Um, you know. Like the bank, uh, the bank statements and like the the cash flow statements and all that kind of stuff, um, and yeah. So I think um, really empowering your team to do everything possible so that you can really focus on the most important things, it has been like the biggest transition for us that allows me to spend time like like either learning or working on the business. Like well, uh, it's it's very yeah, like, powerful. Well, you just said that though. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about that. You're saying, hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's only five minutes to do the credit cards, whatever it was. But wait, it's more than that. It's preparing. It's remembering to do it. It's all these other things. And if you say, right. wait, I want to spend two hours, I'm going to take, boom, check. There's five minutes plus all that additional time. Plus, And so I think it's, again, this is a maturity issue is being able to say, yeah, I could do it, but why do I need to? Um, and as you said earlier, wisely, is that person who makes that their job, they're more likely to find things that you might miss because that's their job right you get totally. what i mean because they're going to focus yeah. as opposed to you rushing oh i got to rush i got to get to this meeting or whatever boom now you, they can give it the time that's necessary dude you do have some knowledge you're too young <laughs> it's just very I'm cool so, to see I'm this application that. no I, I it's very cool to see this application being applied to this business it's kind of scary to me a little bit you know it's funny i've had a few tech guys on and they're they're in here designing apps or whatever it was. I forget what it was. Software, you know, to create software. And I'm like, why are you guys in this world? And he go, well, that's because Amazon's the hot place to be right now. And he said, it'll be something else next year or the year after. And we'll all move over there and start applying our skills and trade to that. I think it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, it kind of maybe a little worrying for some of us to see more of you business finance tech type come into our world because you're doing all the things we know we should be doing, but we're not, but we're not. Right, but, right, right. Totally. But hearing you do it, I hopefully a whole bunch more people are going to say, you know what, this is very powerful. Um, the last thing I'd like to talk about, because um, I, I really do appreciate the, that mindset, um, is about scaling. Now, you, you mentioned that we could talk about scaling to eight figures. I don't know how many people, I think there are a lot of people that are still in the six-figure range and would like to scale to seven figures. I think that'd probably be more of my listeners. I mean, uh, as, as nice as I'd like to believe, there are some amazing outliers out there. But the ones that I tend to help more are the ones that sell in three, four, five hundred thousand dollars and want to get to that seven figure number because it's a different business at seven figures than it is at half a million dollars, right? Right. I totally absolutely. So, so what could you help us with for people who are who are there who want to scale to that seven figure mark? What would you what would your some of the things that you guys did and things that you think that would apply well to my audience? Yeah, I mean, I think if you've got a few years in business, like maybe two years of you know tax returns and they're profitable, uh, you get the six-figure mark. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing uh, that we did, which uh, was tremendous for us um, back in the earlier days, we got an SBA loan. And so we got like a really sweetheart deal. But uh, a time, uh, you know, when prime rate was a little bit lower, we were paying about six and a quarter percent. That's cheap. Uh, it was a yeah, it was really cheap. Now it's like seven and a quarter maybe, hmm. um, but it's not bad uh, by any means. But it was a 10-year loan. So we got $350,000 and our monthly payment was only four grand. And so you credit that to like an Amazon loan or, you know, these like merchant like uh, account loans or whatever, like the merchant advance loans. Uh, it was, you know, basically uh, ridiculously, ridiculously cheap. And, um, and... So I would say um, that's been a huge help in terms of scaling. Um, and then on top of that, we took on like more promissory notes. So yeah, I know we, we talked about like uh, debt like a little bit earlier, um, but yeah, I mean, we wanted like that risk and we were that confident in the business that we could take on uh, promissory notes to help us scale. So I think that was a huge, huge help. Um, and then I would say like maybe the second thing is is again like if you're figuring out what your biggest growth drivers are and then really uh trying to spend as much as time as you possibly can doing that so like mm -hmm. you know if you're in the amazon business then a lot of it is through new products you know what i mean if you're um i don't know if you're in the drop shipping business maybe it's new suppliers i'm not I, i'm not 100 percent sure because i'm not in that space but like is really figuring out like okay this is what's going to get me to like uh, to the seven figure mark and then like setting up a KPI for it and like really being 110% focused on that. And then as much as everything else that you can push off, like de uh, delegate it to somebody else and train them so that you're not doing, even if it takes five minutes, train them how to do it once because like most tasks are not one time, you know, paying the credit card like happens every month and like, you know, all that kind of stuff like it adds up, like don't think about it as like, oh, this is five minutes one time. It's like five minutes for the next five years, oh, like that's every a good month. Point. Yeah, that's valid. And, uh, and, uh, and then yeah, creating an SOP, creating systems so that you can really scale the business. I think your advice on the debt, I'm not a debt fan, I'm not, uh, we don't borrow money, but I think it's very solid the way you described it. You're like, wait, you get a couple years of tax returns. There's the solid advice right there. So this is a business that proven that you've been doing it for several years, right? Then getting those financial statements in order because the SBA is not going to take, you know, just crappy nonsensical financial statements. Good, strong financial statements is what banks finance. And so having those put together over time to show growth and show all that ability, I think is very, very, very solid advice. I think the 10-year plan is very smart because it gives you time. You're built out a plan, right? That So you have a 10-year plan. If you're taking debt for 10 years, you have a plan. And so that totally. gives you the ability to do that. I think that's very sound and very, you're one of the few that don't say, go borrow everything and bet it all, <laughs> right? Now, I think this is right. very smart. I, I, think, I think that's an absolute smart thing. I like the other thing too, is to take those five-minute tasks and multiply them out for five years and then realize, wait, this is, you know, 30 hours of my life I'm gonna get back. For this one dinky mm -hmm. little credit card statement, I get 30 hours of my life. What would you do with that 30 hours? How many books could you read in that 30 hours, Fernando? Right? <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, that's real. Um, that's real totally. when you say it that way. Ooh, dude, you're Absolutely. making me think. You're making me think. I love it. <laughs> All right, so what's next for you guys? So you're scaling, you're, you're building on teams, you're adding other marketplaces. Um, what's next for you guys? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a, a great question. I mean, I see a ton of promise in our uh, retail division. So I think I'm super, super excited. Some of our products are going to be on HSN. Um, yeah, we're in talks with that's cool. Beyond. So like, it, it'll be cool to, to kind of go from this like new school, you know, online Amazon space and then kind of like kind of breaking down like the doors and trying to figure out like the, the more traditional side of physical products. So I'm, yeah, I'm very, very excited about that. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited yeah, about with this consulting thing. And I mean, yeah, there's just, there's just so much, uh, I, I think to, um, to the business, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just overall really excited uh, to be doing what I'm doing every single day. It really is exciting. When you think about, you see nothing but opportunity, don't you? I mean, it, it yeah. can you imagine the guys who were working at Toys R Us, the good people that were doing their best and for whatever, you know, whatever the story was, they still went to work every day, believing in everything. They didn't see opportunity. They see failure. They failed, even though they didn't, they did what they were told. Here you are right. in this world and you see nothing but opportunity. Isn't that crazy to think about that? That blows my yeah. mind. I mean, it's it's we're back to this discussion. It's mindset, isn't it? It really is a mindset approach. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's really well put. But yeah, it's uh, it's totally mindset. And if you worked for Toys R Us, you have unique skills. You should be in the e-commerce world. You have skills that we wish we had. You you understand toys better than we do, and therefore you should be in our world. You will kill it because you have built a skill set. You just have to learn to apply it. And so reach out to Fernando and his team. Okay, so if somebody wants to follow up and has more questions, and again, I tell people all the time, if you connect, if this, if Fernando if you connect with Fernando and his story and his his thing, man, that's that's what I always tell people. Find people you connect with, somebody you can who who resonates with you, what they're saying, and and see if they have an opportunity because they do consulting and you know they they charge for it, so it is what it is. Um, but again, you know you have to buy time from something, so it's going to cost you time or it's going to you know cost you money, one or the other. And if this is something you're interested in, I don't benefit in any other way other than if you have success, man, I win just because the world's better because you had success. So what's the best way if somebody has a follow-up to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, they can always email me. Yeah, Fernando at sellertradecraft.com or you can find me on Facebook and uh, shoot me a message and yeah, I'll, I'll do my best to respond and everything. But yeah, I mean, I would love to, to hear from people and uh, hear what they think. And if, yeah, if there's any way that I can be helpful, just, yeah, of course, let me know as well. I appreciate that. So I'm going to have that out there. So it's Fernando at sellertradecraft.com. Dot com sellertradecraft.com that's the name of their company and i'm going to have his facebook contact there dude I'm, I'm i'm really really pleased and i really thank you for uh spending the time with us today because again i think it it shows the potential of what can be when you apply it and you're consistently apply it over time um and admit, and, and admit not everything works sometimes you have to retrench and retreat to build it out the right way. And you guys have done a great job at that. And I'm so impressed. It's just such a cool story. I wish you guys nothing but success. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. You too. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Great guy. Great knowledge. Um, love the stories. And again, I love the fact that he's investing in his people. He's saying, hey, you know what? Maybe uh, self-reflectively, I should have learned more about that team member. And I prejudged them. Guilty. You know, and he's willing to admit it. I just think that, again, 
why you think they're having success because they're willing to look inward and say, hmm, I don't have it all figured out. Let me work on that until I do. And let me uh, reach out to others. Let me let others get involved. Let's see what they bring to the table. Wait, magically they have something to add to. It's not only me. Boom, that's maturity. Very, very cool business. EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.